0: To the Soul of Islam Radio with Ahmed Saqa'amini and Emil Hassan Alexander Turabi. This is episode number 10 of season number 1. My name is Ahmed and I'm a researcher in atomic molecular optical physics, a spoken word artist, and deeply committed to sharing the fundamental connection between science and spirituality with our community and beyond. Hassan is a lifelong student of Islamic spirituality and the founder and creator of the highly acclaimed Islamic Meditation and Eternal Warrior Way programs. He's a spiritual coach, writer and speaker committed to the evolution of consciousness within the global community. The soul of Islam Radio Podcast is dedicated to sharing the deeper dimension of Islam and supporting your personal growth and spiritual development. Today's podcast will draw its inspiration from the Deliverance from Error, also known as min al الضلال. It's an autobiography of Imam Abu Hamid al-Ghazali. This piece of work was written almost a millennium ago, but is still considered to be profound and fruitful in its insight regarding a seeker's spiritual path to the divine reality. This book is also the perfect starting point for anyone interested in studying the works of Imam al-Ghazali. And of course, joining me to discuss the spiritual implications and significance of this remarkable piece of work is my good friend and brother, Ihsan. Assalamu alaikum. How are you feeling today, brother?
1: Assalamu alaikum wa alhamdulillah wa shukru lillah. Imam ghazali was one of the great figures of Islamic history, Islamic scholarship, and Islamic spirituality. He came to be known as Hujjatul Islam, the proof of Islam. And as he explains in Al-Munkad Manad Dalal, that the personal transformation that he went through and what led him to such a personal awakening and transformation, it's an incredible
0: story and I'm looking forward to this episode. Likewise, so let us begin. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Now Imam Abu Hamid al-Ghazali is of Persian descent he lived in the 11th century AD, 5th century Hijri. He dabbled with a theology, philosophy, and mysticism, and of course was given the title of the proof of Islam, Hujjatul Islam, for his remarkable contributions and insight. He was essentially considered the mujadid of his time, the renewer of the faith, because his works revolutionized and revived many aspects within islam uh, some of his major works include the alchemy of happiness the revival of the religious sciences the beginning of guidance the just balance and many more now this book the deliverance from error is powerful unlike any autobiography out there because it invites the reader to walk in his shoes to build a personal relationship and see the world from his perspective Uh, Imam al-Ghazali was a seeker. The definition of a seeker. He truly walked the path and he had a thirst for knowledge. He sought after knowledge and wanted to know the essence of it, the reality of what knowledge was and ultimately to know and to be in the Divine Presence. SubhanAllah, When I picked up this book, you know, from the first page, I felt like Imam Ghazali knew who I was. He he immediately comforted me to say, Okay, I know why you're picking up this book. And I want to reassure you that the answers that you're looking for, inshallah, will be in this book. And he does that by narrating his story, his experience, with his search for the ultimate truth, the ultimate reality. Subhanallah, he had this curiosity about everything around him. He wanted to constantly feed his curiosity. He didn't just want to accept an answer. He wanted the truth. He wanted to unveil. He wanted to deepen the roots of his faith within his own heart. He refused to be a muqallid, to follow the idea of taqleed, which is to blindly follow. And that idea, that way of thinking, that way of blindly following... He was able to strip that away from him at a very early stage, at a very young age, which actually allowed him to pursue knowledge the way that he did. In the entire book, I felt that Imam al-Ghazali had this strong need, this aspiration to seek the truth and it was dominant in his entire life. And then I later realized that this characteristic, this quality is not just present in Imam Ghazali, it is actually inside every individual. But it manifests itself completely different in every human being. It was uh, also the book that I had encountered uh, during my early years in deepening my understanding of spirituality, so it truly helped me and I do recommend all the listeners out there to pick up this book and just read it for themselves. It's an invitation to want to understand The nature of walking the path. Now, Brother Ihsan, what was your take on the book?
1: MashaAllah, it's not surprising to see that it is so easy to relate to Imam Ghazali's story and his personal journey. I mean, he was a great scholar. He was a massive scholar in his time. In fact, perhaps the most well-known scholar in his age. Yet, because he was a true seeker, he was a seeker seeking truth. He was not content, like you said, with just simply accepting what was given to him. He truly wanted to experience reality for himself which is the characteristic of any seeker, all of us can relate to that. So his path, his journey, his deliverance from error is a journey. It's a path that so many of us, especially the seekers among us, people who are listening to this podcast can relate to. It's a journey that took him and will take us from concept, from theory, from idea, from information towards reality, towards truth, true truth, reality of truth. So Imam Ghazali had devoted his life to teaching and learning to scholarship. He had the most prestigious position in Baghdad at the time. He was widely respected, loved, adored. His lecture halls were full. He was a scholar, and we see scholars today that have huge draws and attraction and attract a lot of people. In his day and age, Imam Ghazali was the greatest scholar. Everyone traveled from far and wide to attend his lectures, his talks, his teachings. Yet deep within him was a strong desire for truth. Deep within him was this strong calling for reality. And he began to realize that all of his knowledge, all of his mastery of theoretical, conceptual, ideological knowledge was in fact not getting him any closer to Allah. It was not getting him any closer to truth, to reality. And he knew this. He was speaking and lecturing about Allah constantly, about the deen, the way of the Prophet But he knew that he was not finding, he was not experiencing the reality of the Divine Presence. And he did something that most people will never do. He acknowledged his doubt. He acknowledged his doubt. Now here's a great scholar. Most of us as normal people, common people, may not acknowledge their doubt, may not admit that they have doubt. But Imam Ghazali, a great scholar teaching hundreds and thousands of people, acknowledged his own doubt. He acknowledged his own inadequacy. And what did he do? He stepped away from everything. He walked away from everything. He put it down. Being a great and respected scholar, He realized he did not have a firm grasp, a firm handhold on reality, on hakik, on truth, on true experience. He had an amazing grasp of it intellectually, but experientially, he was not there. And he admitted it to himself, and he stepped away from his teaching. He realized, what is the benefit of this knowledge, this information, if it is not getting me closer to Allah? So he was brave. He was extremely brave. He took an amazing step to do this. Like I said, most people would never face that fear, would never face that doubt within, would never acknowledge it. Would simply try to cover up with more forceful clinging to beliefs and more forceful espousing of those beliefs and ideas. Yet, Mashallah, Imam Ghazali was a beautiful example of a true seeker. He writes in this book, in The Deliverance from Error, "...I reflected on my intention in my public teaching, and I saw that it was not directed purely to God." but rather was instigated and motivated by the quest for fame and widespread prestige. So I became certain that I was on the brink of a crumbling bank. Mundane desires began tugging me with their chains to remain as I was, while the herald of faith was crying out, Away, up and away. Only a little is left of your life and a long journey lies before you. All the theory and practice in which you are engrossed is but eye service and fakery. If you do not prepare now for akhirah for eternity when will you do so? And if you do not sever these attachments now, then when
0: will you ever sever them? SubhanAllah, the the true representation of what a seeker really is. And to give the listeners a feel for his need and for his aspiration to actually seek the truth. Um, I will read this passage where he says, From my early youth, since I attained the age of puberty before I was 20 until the present time when I'm over 50, which is actually when he wrote this book, I have ever recklessly launched out into the mists of these ocean depths. I've ever bravely embarked on this open sea, throwing aside all craven caution. I have poked into every dark recess. I have made an assault on every problem. I have plunged into every abyss. I have scrutinized the creed of every sect. I have tried to lay bare the inmost doctrines of every community. All this have I done that I might distinguish between true and false, between sound tradition and heretical innovation. We really get a feel for that aspiration inside the heart of Imam al-Ghazali. He didn't want to acquire knowledge for the sake of acquiring knowledge, but rather he wanted to know what the essence was, the nature of what knowledge really is. Before he had this intellectual crisis, he realized that the only way that he could embark on this journey to find that divine reality was to actually understand what knowledge really was. You know, He says, to begin with, what I'm looking for is knowledge for what things really are So I must undoubtedly try to find what knowledge really is. He he realized that knowledge in its entirety were nothing but veils. That veiled them away from from Allah, from the Creator. And he slowly began to strip away these veils that we call knowledge. He started with removing the layers of knowledge that opened a door for error. And it was very difficult for Imam al-Ghazali being in the position he was, the scholar that he was. And then he started going deeper and deeper and deeper and realized that, okay, what what am I depending on to acquire knowledge in this world? And he saw that sensory perception played a big role. He knew that the power of sight, touch, feel, and so forth uh, were the senses that we depended on. And he then realized that he cannot depend on these senses to acquire knowledge because when we look at the sun, our eyes fool us into thinking that the sun is of a particular size but computations have proved that the Sun is much larger than the planet Earth so he said I cannot depend on my sensory perception so I must let these layers go and he kept going deeper and he realized that the only thing that he was left with was his intellect that is the driving force of the modern world today we depend on our intellect for so many things and he said, this must be where I can stop. This is what I can depend on to distinguish between what is true and what is false. But then he remembered Muhammad Wasallam. Muhammad ﷺ said, this world is nothing but a dream. And when we reach that point of separation, we will see reality for what it really is. And we do that by actually remembering where we came from, remembering that experience that we had before this world. And in a state, in a dream state, our intellect doesn't serve us. Because when we have a dream or when we are dreaming, we believe everything that we see. Imam Ghazali realized that intellect is something that he can't depend on to reach that divine presence. And today, quantum physics proves that. You know, an electron can be in two positions at the same time. Matter can behave as a particle and it can behave as a wave. Intellect fails at that level, the level of the subatomic world. When he experienced this, he realized that there's an eye, There is a place that the human being can ascend to that would open a window into what reality was.
1: The Prophet wa sallam, said in a hadith that Allah Almighty can fit the entire world and creation through the eye of a needle. And he can do this without making the eye of the needle any bigger, nor making the entire world and creation any smaller. In Zen teachings, they have something called koans. And these are riddles designed to basically arrest the mind, arrest the thinking process. Because only through the absolute surrender of the mind can a human being move towards awakening and enlightenment. And this statement of the Prophet is a beautiful example of such a koan, such a statement, that proves the fallibility of the intellect, of the mind, and its inability to grasp reality and truth. And it affirms, it reminds us, that the path of Islam, the Islamic spiritual path, the Islamic religion, the Islamic way, although a strong foundation in knowledge, is not an intellectual path, it's a spiritual path. These are realities that can only be experienced on a spiritual level. And the mind can't go there. This was the great realization of Imam al-Ghazali. The realization that theoretical, conceptual knowledge does not lead to belief. It doesn't lead to iman. Beliefs, ideas, doctrines and dogmas, things that we subscribe to, these are intellectual beliefs. They're the domain of the mind. Beliefs are of the mind. Yet belief, iman, is a quality of the heart, a greater faculty within the human being, within you, that you have access to, to truly experience the reality of the spiritual world, the reality of Allah's divine presence. Islam, and we talk about this a lot in our work, as well as in the Islamic meditation program, and the Eternal Warrior Way programs, that the path and purpose of Islam is the awakening of the human heart, the awakening of the soul, soul consciousness, rather than ego mind-based consciousness. So having had this realization, in sincerely seeking truth, Imam Ghazali's path, his journey, led him to the way of the Sufis and the way of the heart. The way of the Sufis, tasawwuf has always been known as the way of the heart. And the great meaning behind that is that it leads to a greater level of consciousness, a different type of consciousness, based beyond thinking. It's in pure experience, direct experience. It's in knowing, not in thinking. The path of tasawuf is the path of awakening the human heart. It's awakening the soul. It's about awakening the human being. It's the path of realization. It's the path of making something real, making the path real. And it's the path of belief. And we talk also about the different stages of development within the Islamic spiritual path, the three stages of Islam. We have Islam, we have Iman, and we have Ihsan, ultimately. And this is a journey that goes deeper and deeper inward to higher and higher levels and states and experiences of consciousness. The Quran, the Holy Quran, says regarding a group of people that had embraced Islam, He says, say not that you are mu'min, say that you have entered into Islam, but that be- but know that belief, iman, has not yet entered or awakened within your heart. So maqam al-iman is a much higher level of experience, it's a much higher level of development within Islam, and that comes beyond the mind. Again, that's an experience of the heart. Intellectually, a person can be convinced of Islam, and that this is the correct doctrine, but the path only begins there. It goes much deeper, it goes much further, and that journey is inward and towards the human heart. So Imam Ghazali continues in his book, Al-Munkad Minad Dalal, to say that I brought my mind to bear on the way of the Sufis. I knew that their particular way is consummated, it's realized only by knowledge and activity, meaning by the union of theory and practice, by amal, by ilm, wal amal. The aim of knowledge is to lop off the obstacles present in the soul and to rid oneself of its reprehensible habits and vicious qualities in order to attain thereby a heart empty of all save God and adorned with a constant remembrance of God. And then he goes on to say, he's speaking here about dhikr, the importance of dhikr, the importance of contemplation, meditation, of being, of presence with Allah. And then he goes on to say, I knew with certainty that the Sufis are those who uniquely follow the way of God Most High. Their mode of life is the best of all, their way the most direct of ways, and their ethic the purest. Indeed, were one to combine the insight of the intellectuals, the wisdom of the wise, and the lore of scholars versed in the mysteries of revelation in order to change a single item of Sufi conduct and ethic and to replace it with something better, no way to do so would be found. For all their motions and quiescences, exterior and interior, are learned from the light of the niche of prophecy. And beyond the light of prophecy, there is no light on earth from which illumination can be obtained. It's a beautiful statement to the reality of Islam, the reality of Tasawuf, the reality of the Islamic spiritual path. And maybe it might be important here just to qualify that when Imam Ghazali refers to the Sufis, He's not referring to a group or a sect or a cult of people who particularly identify with Sufism. He's not referring to people who simply call themselves Sufis. He's not referring to a label, but he's referring to a path. He's referring to those who are sincerely walking and practicing Tazgiyah, self-purification, the purification of the self. And again, not simply those who are clinging to a cultish identity. That type of Sufism may be more common in today's day and age, but that is not the sawaf. And that is not what Imam Ghazali was referring to. Again, he was referring to the excellence and perfection of the prophetic path. The perfection of the human being through sincerity.
0: And subhanAllah, Imam Ghazali arrived at the conclusion that the Sufi way was the way. The mystical way was the way. After he had studied and critiqued the ways of the theologians of his time, the philosophers, and the people who actually were in charge of The instruction, really. And it was the direct experience that he had in seclusion that really reassured, reaffirmed this truth within his own being. We see this persistence, this drive that Imam Ghazali had. As I was reading this book, I wondered what kept him on this path. What gave him this drive to want to seek the truth and go after with everything that he had. He put everything on the line. He reached a point where he actually had to entrust his brother with his family to come in contact with this experience. What is this? Today in our world, we do see some people who are chasing this reality, who sincerely want to seek the truth. But often, what do we see? We see people who don't have this need within themselves to actually seek. And sometimes, the people who have had some experiences try their best to share to explain, to invite people, to search, to look in with themselves, with no success. SubhanAllah, where did Imam Ghazali get this need, this aspiration, this himma from? I imagine the need to seek the truth as a jewel, and a human being as the desert. And this jewel, this himmah, is buried deep down inside every individual. Some have drove it down very deep, and others have this need very close to the surface. But it is the pure intention that brings this jewel to the surface. And when it is close, it is only then that the individual can actually begin to feel that need. And because of Imam Ghazali's intention, it is what led him on this path. And when he stumbled upon the science of the purification of the heart, When he embodied its principles, when he secluded himself and reflected upon the qualities of the ego, the passions and the desires that attach the individual to the physical world, his heart became that compass that directed him in the world, that pointed him towards truth and away from falsehood. And I felt that the real reason why Imam al Ghazali was given the title of the Proof of Islam, because he truly walked in the path of Muhammad when we think back at the life of our beloved prophet we tend to focus on the last 23 years of his life and we spend a little time reflecting on his first 40 years Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Islam to Muhammad he didn't just choose him Muhammad his light alayhi salatu was was created before this universe so we must pay close attention to his entire life, from the moment of his birth till his physical departure from this world. Our beloved Prophet was known as al Amin before Islam came to him. He was gentle in his character. He was fair. He was just. He had a good reputation within the people. These are all qualities that he had. But the most important one was that Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sought after the truth. Think about it. He would often retreat into a cave to reflect upon the universe his place in it his purpose of the entire creation he sincerely wanted to know the truth and it was at that point after he walked in the way of the seeker that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed Islam to manifest itself to become apparent in this world when we truly seek for the truth when we resist when we do not blindly follow we become ready to experience the essence of Islam. We are ready to surrender and know its real meaning. We have to seek before we embrace Islam. And Imam al-Ghazali did just that.
1: In Islam, as Muslims, we cannot be complacent. And thank you again, Ahmed, for emphasizing the need to be a seeker. See, we get confused sometimes when we find Islam or we come to Islam or we awaken at some level to Islam that we've arrived. We have not arrived. We've just simply set foot at the beginning of the path. And Islam is a path. It is a journey. It's a lifelong journey. And if every day, every week, every month, every year, we are not making progress and getting closer to Allah and our experience remains the same, then we are not practicing it properly. Islam is not to be doing the same thing for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and never growing internally, never growing in experience, never awakening to a higher, greater, vaster experience of consciousness. Islam is about change, it's about transformation, it's about awakening the soul, it's about realizing who you truly are in this life. In his practice and immersion in tasawwuf, in tazgiyah, in Sufism, Imam Ghazali discovered that humility is the essence of the way, that self-effacement is the path, the annihilation of the self of ego consciousness. And he also realized that knowledge... Is a trap. It leads to arrogance, to self righteousness, and in fact becomes a veil. The very knowledge of truth can become a veil to truth. Knowledge itself is not realization, it is not reality. And if that's not understood, it keeps one trapped at the level of the mind, never going deeper into the heart and soul. I'll share with you guys something of my personal experience and journey. When I first came to discover Tasawf and Sufism and found my teacher, my Sheikh, May Allah bless him. Rahmullah Sayyidina Shaykh Nazim, Qadassallahu Sirahu, who passed away somewhat recently. May Allah grant him higher and higher levels in light in paradise and in his divine presence. He served selflessly his entire life to bring back spirituality to Islam. When I first sat in the associations of Maulana Sheikh and of his deputies, I quickly became frustrated because I was seeking knowledge I came from a background wanting to seek knowledge to encompass knowledge I wanted everything explained to me and in talk after talk and sitting after sitting there was no formal instruction being given all of Maulana Sheikh's associations were very informal he would sit speak casually with people but there was never a structured learning system in place and this was initially very frustrating for me I come from a background studying in university and in the Western mindset, we want to approach knowledge methodically, systematically. with sheik would never do that. He would never give the ego that grasp, something to hold on to, something to cling to, something to own and control and possess. What he did do instead was train. It wasn't about acquiring knowledge. It was about changing. It was about diminishing ego consciousness. And that is not easy. It's easy to sit in a lecture hall or in a classroom and be given great amounts of knowledge, wonderful, beautiful speech, but that doesn't change you. And you'll see on the circuit, many people sometimes just following different scholars and enjoying their presentations, but knowledge itself doesn't change you. Change comes through practice. It comes, and in Tasawf, in Sufism, in Tazgiyah, it comes through the purification and the annihilation of the self and of ego consciousness. And that is not easy. That is not an easy experience. Kind of reminds me of the movie, The Karate Kid, where daniel son goes to learn karate from this great teacher in an ancient tradition, but quickly becomes frustrated because he doesn't think he's learning any karate. Instead, he's waxing on, waxing off cars, cleaning the house, doing mundane chores, and finally becomes frustrated. And at that point, the master then instructs him, shows him, and if you haven't seen this movie, it might be a good oldie to check into again at that point the master shows him that he has been training him all along but not in a way that would inflate his ego not in a way that would fill him with pride and arrogance but rather with humility And really the path of development within Islam and in spirituality is not a path of theory but it's a path of practice it's a path of experience and this is achieved through association through accompanying one who has realized truth and reality who has a certain level of development And through this type of association the ego is tested, it's crushed, it's purified. This was the way of the Prophet He didn't sit his companions in front of him in a formal classroom setting and tell them, I'm going to explain to you Islam, here's point one, here's point two, here's point three. He was a living, dynamic teacher. He taught them every minute of every day from their personal life experiences. When a companion acted arrogantly, they were tested, they were trained, they were corrected, they were purified. Formal teaching and discourse was not the way of the Prophet, sallam, but rather it was companionship. It was association with a master of the way. And a master of the way is someone who has gone deep into the depth of their own being. Such a person has vision, has clarity of sight. And regarding them, the Prophet sallam, says, Beware the vision of a believer, for they see with the light of Allah. A believer, someone who has achieved true Iman, true belief in their heart and soul, whose heart and soul has been awakened. They see their vision is clear. They are those, the Sufis, the real Sufis, are they who have battled and struggled with their selves in jihad and nafs, often for decades, and uprooted its hidden shirk, and have gained clarity of vision. They can see and they can guide. And after 11 years of jihad and nafs, Imam Ghazali returns finally to public teaching and to his work, yet now he's fundamentally transformed. His intention and his purpose has become purified. And regarding this aspect of his life and his work, he says, I know well that even though I have returned to teaching, I have not really returned. For returning is coming back to what was. Formerly, I used to impart the knowledge by which glory is gained for glory's sake, and to invite men to it by my words and deeds, and that was my aim and my intention. But now I invite men to the knowledge by which glory is renounced And it's lowly rank recognized. This is now my intention, my aim, my desire. He's no longer interested at this stage in his life, in his career, in his mission on earth, at simply imparting knowledge and increasing egoism in human beings. He's now interested in purifying the human being. He's now interested in change, in transformation. And regarding this point, I would just simply offer a kind warning to all of our Muslim brothers and sisters throughout the world who are on the path of Islam, who are on the path of knowledge, beware of knowledge. It's a trap, because knowledge of truth is not the truth. Truth is not knowledge of the mind, but it's a realization of the heart, an experience of the soul. And those who know that knowledge, who have experienced that reality, often can say nothing about it. Silence then becomes their dominant state. They live in and operate from silence, from stillness, and from presence. And when they do speak, it's from a different place. Their words carry presence, light. Their words carry power. And rather than fill human beings with ego consciousness or with arrogance or with pride, their words then awaken the human heart. They awaken the soul. Lao Tzu, the great Chinese philosopher, wrote thousands of years ago that the way, the truth that can be said is not the way. So we must be extremely careful not to confuse knowledge of the way with the way itself. Knowledge at best can point, it can direct, but it is not the end in itself. And such spiritual masters, such masters of Tasawuf, teachers of Tasawaf are far less interested in codified knowledge. They're interested in transformation, in alchemy, in change. They're interested in metamorphosis, in human evolution. They're interested in the awakening of the human being and the realization of human potential. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Hadith Qudsi that the Prophet ﷺ relates, I was a hidden treasure and I wanted to be known, so I created. Allah says He wanted to be known, not known of, but to be known, to be felt, to be experienced. And the mind cannot go there. Your mind cannot take you to the Divine Presence. On this journey, to go deep, into Islam and into Iman and to Ihsan, you will have to leave your mind behind. You will have to learn to surrender, instill that mind and rein it in so that the heart can take precedence over your experience. As Muslims, we must learn to enter presence and to transcend the mind, to go beyond knowledge to where knowledge is meant to lead us. Knowledge is a means, it is not the end. The path is the means, it's not the end. And we must sever our attachment to even the way itself if you are to awaken to truth. In the end, there is nothing to hold on to but Allah. There is nothing to cling to but Allah. Not the way, not knowledge, no support except Allah. Illallah. La ilaha illallah. There is no God, no support, nothing but Allah. And even attachment to knowledge, attachment to the way, attachment to Islam is still a veil. Walking Islam is different than identifying with Islam. As Muslims, we are not selling anything. We are not here to sell Islam. We're here to live it. We're here to walk it. We're here to be it. We're here to change. And if Islam is not changing us, if it's not changing you, then what's the benefit? Leaving the mind behind, walking the spiritual path is to transcend gravity. It's to transcend, to let go of all attachments to dunya, to surrender the density of our beings that binds us to this lower world our destiny is in the heavens it's in the divine presence and our destiny is to ascend and to do so we must purify ourselves of all attachments and false idols now i will again clarify that this doesn't mean to not have to completely renounce the world altogether what this means is to be free from dependence and need upon anything other than allah it's actually a paradox because when one has allah you have everything you have the entire kingdom when you have the king There was once a wise king who wanted to discover who would be his true inheritor. And he called together his wazirs and his court and he said, I'm giving away my kingdom. I want all of you to tell me, each one of you to tell me what you want from my kingdom. And all of a sudden the desires of all his court, his wazirs emerged. And some of them said, we want your horses, O great king. We'll take the horses. We'll take a treasure. I'll take a palace. I'll take a vacation home. And he asked all of his wazirs and all of his court what they wanted and they gave their desires and then one step forward and the king said you what do you want and this was just a servant and this man then said i want you O king and then the king smiled because he saw that there was a sufi among them he smiled because he knew then that he had found his inheritor and then to help instruct the others he said you want me why me Why not the gold? Why not my horses? Why not my palace, my kingdom, my castle? And this man, although he was free because he truly loved the king, he did not want those things, he did not care for those things, but to help others understand, he said, O my master, O my lord, he who has the king has the entire kingdom. That is sincerity. That is purity of intention, purity of one's love for Allah. And Rabi al-Adawiyah also said likewise, O lord, ya Rabbi, if I worship you in fear of hellfire burn me in it if I worship you in hopes of paradise exclude me from it but oh my lord if I worship you for the beauty of your being do not withhold from me your eternal divine countenance as Muslims are we worshiping Allah for reward for palaces in paradise or are we worshiping Allah in reality and in sincerity for his being if you have a teacher if you have a guide a murshid why are you following why are you in a tariqa if you happen to have one are you seeking to gain something because this path is not about gaining anything it's about losing everything so that there's nothing left but allah are you seeking power fame knowledge wealth rank are you seeking khilafa, successorship the true lovers of allah and the true lovers of their master seek no such things they want nothing they can't imagine anything other than the beauty of their Goal. Again this is a path of annihilation of ego consciousness Of annihilation of all attachment It doesn't mean to not have But it means to be free from need To be free from attachment Love must be purely for Allah And subhanAllah When love is purely for Allah There is no limit to what Allah gives Or what flows through that open channel There are no gods but Allah And we cannot worship even Islam At the expense of worshipping Allah That is hidden shirk and in fact, is a worship of the self, because we're worshiping our identification with an idea, a label, rather than worshiping Allah. They who most vehemently attempt to impose religion upon others, their beliefs, their ideas, their dogmas, their way of thinking, are in fact committing a form of shirk, a form of hidden unbelief. And that is not worshiping and serving Allah. One does not serve Allah in that way. Instead, it is serving the ego allah says in the holy quran la din." there is no compulsion no force in religion there's no need to convince to force to manipulate to get others to agree with you on anything our job as Muslims as believers as Sufis is to serve is to heal it's to make whole it's to love and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the teachings of the Prophet says invite to the way of your Lord in the best of ways with beauty with love with sincerity with selflessness it's not about converting people to a belief system or an identity. It's about facilitating change. It's about healing. It's about transformation. It's about awakening our species. That is the way of the Prophet Muhammad, and it is the way of all the prophets, especially Sayyidina Muhammad and Sayyidina Isa, Jesus, the last of the Ishmaelite prophets and the last of the Israelite prophets. This is the perfection and completion of the way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in the last revelation of the Holy Scripture, on this day I have perfected for you your religion. Live it.
0: SubhanAllah, we need to be the change in the world. We expect to see any change. We need to come to the realization that experiences can only be tasted. Such experiences transcend the intellect, our senses, and knowledge in its entirety. When we come in direct contact with the Divine Presence, we experience, sometimes it is the attribute or an attribute of the Divine that can be manifested in us. But subhanAllah, it is a personal relationship. It is meant to be between the Divine and His servant. It is fair. It is just. So when we see... People who have embarked on the path, who have come into direct experiences with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and try to share their experiences with the people around them, they are not able to do so. How do we expect that reality to be articulated? And Imam Ghazali, when he found himself in seclusion, he had numerous experiences that affirmed prophecy. He knew deep down inside his heart even more that Muhammad was the true prophet and messenger now we as human beings have been given many gifts and one of them are gifts that all of the prophets possess and that is the power of dream the power of dream is a state that we all enter it is the place where intellect doesn't serve us it is a place where we can actually have such experiences But those who can understand, who can look behind the symbolism, who can strip away the metaphors and understand what it is like to be in that realm, in the world of the Barzakh, as we call it, one must have a pure heart. If one were to practice purification of the heart, then it allows him, it opens a door into such realities. It allows the human being to navigate in that world. In that dream state, if one were to understand this truth and to have such experiences, one can arrive at the same experiences that Imam Ghazali had between him and himself. If, for some reason, you do not have the need to seek after the truth, to find Allah subhanahu wa taala, then ask yourself why. Know with certainty that this need is inside of you. Allah, when He created man he gave him his passions and his desires known as shubuhat wa Shahawat. but he also included with him something called the himma, which is the aspiration the aspiration that we saw in Imam Ghazali and the aspiration that we saw with our beloved prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam this himma is with every human being it gives you that drive it gives you that engine that can propel you forward in this world and a pure heart can act As your navigator, do whatever it takes to purify your intention, to bring forth the need to come near, to have direct experience with the Divine Presence. Find what it is that is veiling you away, that is stopping you, that is dragging you down. And subhanAllah, we've discussed this in several episodes. Ultimately, it is only but yourself, your ego, your consciousness, your mind, your nefs. They're all the same thing. They are the real reason. Your nefs is the real reason as to why you cannot find, you cannot experience, and you cannot taste. Imam Ghazali paced back and forth in his mind for six months before he could completely strip away his physical attachments to the world, to leave behind his position, his status, his place in the community as an intellectual and a scholar. But when he did that, when he jumped over that hurdle and presented himself, gave himself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Allah then the truth showed its face to him his approach was humility he became the janitor for the Umayyad Masjid for years he hid himself from people he did everything that he could do to control his mind to control his consciousness to subdue it from the perspective of the divine from Allah's perspective there are no veils between him and his abd and his servant it is only from our perspective that there are thousands and thousands of veils, and those manifest in us as barriers between the mind and the heart Allah is always calling doesn't matter who you are he's always calling you and the wee reason why you can't hear why you can't listen is because of those barriers between your mind and your heart bring that jewel to the surface find that need to find him and you will see those veils disappear one by one But it has to begin with a pure intention. If only man knew who he was, if man knew that the entire universe is inside of him, if he truly believed that, and he will see that reality. He will see. Allah said that when we enter the next realm, the next world, the next life, our vision will become sharp. And he uses the word hadid as an iron. Not to point to something that is physical, but rather to the solid truth. Of what this whole life was about, the entire purpose. How do you expect to listen if you can't hear, if you're deaf? The experiences that Imam al Ghazali had, he didn't disclose them fully in his book because he knew that they can't be articulated, they can only be tasted. But in his book, he's reassuring the reader that it is a possibility for every human being. It is only because he walked in the way of the Prophet Muhammad that Allah allowed him to have the title of the Proof of Islam. Strip away your consciousness, let it go. Surrender to what is within your heart, the only reality, to truly experience happiness, to truly experience love, and to truly feel alive.
1: This is the path that leads to sweetness of faith, what in Islam is known as the sweetness of Iman. And in a program I was attending with Sheikh Mohammed Yaqubi on Imam Ghazali's alchemy of happiness, Sheikh Mohammed stated that Imam Ghazali had said, this is a knowledge that is not learned, but rather experienced, tasted. The path of Tasawf, the path of Islamic spirituality is not the path of the mind, but it's a path of experience. After Imam Ghazali's over a decade of walking this path and struggling and experiencing tasawwuf and Taskiyah, he comes back to write ulum al-din*, The Revival of the Religious Sciences, which is one of the most important books of Islamic scholarship ever written. He was only able to do this after the transformation that he went through. And it's important for us to remember and to realize that the preservation of Islam is not in books. It's not in knowledge or intellectual knowledge. or It's not in theory. It's not in history. But the preservation of Islam is in a realized human being, in a human being in which Islam has become real. That is how Allah preserves his religion. And that is the way of the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam who never formally compiled the way or even the Qur'an. These are things that the Ummah did afterwards. And yes, it was necessary, but it was also a trap. Because with the formalization of knowledge, with the canonization of knowledge, the essence becomes lost. Shaykh Nazim always used to say that institutionalization destroys sincerity. And hence the very birth of Sufism in the early history of Islam. The Mutasawwafin, the zahidin. Emerged to preserve sincerity, to preserve purity and perfection of the way. There was a similar experience in another great figure in Islamic history, Jalaluddin Rumi. He also was like Imam Ghazali, a great scholar of knowledge. Yet he only understood the way when he met his spiritual master, his teacher, his guide, Shams Tabriz. And upon his awakening, Jalaluddin Rumi wrote the Mathnawi, which is regarded as the second most important work of spiritual discourse and poetry after the Qur'an. It is quoted constantly to this very day. And if you're at all on social media, be it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, you can't help but come across the poetry of Rumi. He spoke from a place of truth and from a place of clarity. And that transcends even the barriers of religion. Because every heart can recognize clear truth. And He was writing from truth. He was writing from reality. He was writing from his soul and from his heart. And in one of his poems, he even goes on to say, don't label me as a Muslim or as a Christian or as a Jew. He was a Muslim. He was a practicing Muslim. But what he was attempting to guide towards is the transcendence of ego-based identity. What he was pointing towards is a deeper truth within the human being that transcends temporal identity. And again, these are just crutches that the ego grasps and attaches itself to to preserve its sense of self. And with Jalaluddin Rumi, of course, we know of the whirling practice, the whirling dervishes and the whirling that emerged from his experience. What is whirling? Tawaf. It is making circumambulation around one's own heart and soul, the true throne of Allah, the true house of God. It's when we bring the mind down in sajda and in prostration, in surrender to Allah physically, when we make... Prostration to the Kaaba. Every time we pray, we're prostrating towards the house of Allah, the Kaaba, putting the mind into submission. And once that becomes real for a human being, then one can make tawaf around the true house of God, your heart, your soul. Like Jalaluddin Rumi and all of creation, every atom, every molecule, every galaxy, you will then be in continual revolution around the Divine Presence within. And Allah, again, as Allah said, Neither the heavens nor the earth can contain me except the heart of the believer, your heart. Your heart is the doorway into the Divine Presence. And when you truly know yourself, your deepest aspect of your being, then you will know your Lord. But to awaken to this truth, to awaken to the Divine Presence, you must die. We must die to ourselves, to the self, to ego consciousness. Tasawuf, tezgiyah, the purification of the self is the way. There can be no Islam without tasawuf, without tezgiyah dhikr meditation remembrance of allah these are the tools that allah has given us that the prophet saiiduna has shown us and taught us and guided us to to walk this path mashallah the life and journey the experience of imam ghazali is a beautiful lesson for all of us it's a lesson in sincerity and in truly seeking allah imam ghazali realized that allah could not be found in books and in knowledge and in information and in discourse Allah can only be found in experience in actually walking the path. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us to learn from his example, from his light, from his life, and inspire our hearts to be connected to the Prophet sallam in his way, in the way of the pious ulama, the sincere scholars, who combined amal with ilm, who combined true action with knowledge, and so attained to truth, and to sincerity, and to purity of being, who became empty vessels of Allah, freed from the cages of their bodies, and through whom Allah's light shined. May Allah keep us in the company of them, in the company of the prophets, and in the company of good and blessed souls seeking His Divine Presence.
0: Believe that there is a seeker imprisoned within your own being. Know that the voices of the mind of your own consciousness will try to convince you otherwise. Believe that your heart is a portal into the divine presence within it is a faint call from Allah that can be heard once the barriers have been torn down know that it is possible to experience to come near to elevate the self into a state of contentment into a pure self a pure self that ultimately is on its journey back to the divine remind yourself every day of your purpose and if you haven't found it find it Imam Ghazali. Rahimullah was a great example of a seeker, another proof after our beloved Prophet of what is possible. When we die, we will wake up to the divine reality, and the life that we lived in this physical world, this dunya, will feel like a couple of days. It will truly feel like we were in a dream state. Know that it is possible to wake up now, here, and now, and Allah. Because of his generosity and his mercy, made this possible for Imam Ghazali during his lifetime. When he was near his death, Allah sent the inspiration into his heart that he was about to meet his Lord. And upon feeling that inspiration, he wrote a letter. He said, "Say to my friends when they look upon me dead, weeping for me and mourning me in sorrow, do not believe." That this corpse you see is myself. In the name of God, I tell you it is not I. I am a spirit, and this is naught but flesh. It was my abode and my garment for a time. I am a treasure, my talisman kept hid, fashioned of dust, which served me as a shrine. I am a pearl which has left its shell deserted. I am a bird. And this body was my cage, whence I have now flown forth, and it is left as a token. Praise to God who hath now set me free. This brings us to the end of this episode. May Allah strengthen us, may Allah inspire us, may Allah give us the ability to emulate the character. The life and the way of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Wasallam. May Allah allow us to be an example of His way. May Allah help us bring the need, bring the himma to seek Him to the surface. May He give us the necessary tools to purify ourselves so that we may use our hearts as guides in this world. And we thank you for tuning in, tuning into this
1: radio station to this program. More importantly, tuning in to your own being. It is this calling within your soul that brings you here, That we're having this conversation, that you're listening and tuning in, That we're speaking. It is a need within our ummah to awaken. And there is a great awakening taking place. There is a revival upon the horizon. A new day and a new dawn is breaking, and you are part of that. You are part of the transformation of our ummah, and of our planet. Your personal transformation, your personal evolution, your personal awakening is key now more than ever. Allah Almighty's will is for Islam, its true light and beauty, to again shine. And that can only happen through your heart and soul. May God's divine light and blessings and peace and support and guidance be with you and with all of us. May He keep us always upon Surat al Mustaqim and upon sincerity and upon the footsteps of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the way of all the Prophets, messengers, Saints, Guides, and Teachers leading back to the Divine Presence of Allah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.
0: And to continue supporting the Soul of Islam Radio, please do the following. Like our page on Facebook.com forward slash Soul of Islam Radio. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, Please give us a review and a rating in iTunes or any service that you may come across. Please make a donation on our website at soulofislamradio.com. And lastly, recommend to your family and all of your friends. Feel free to visit our website uh soulofislamradio.com. There you will find a link to a free multimedia course to help you rediscover the spiritual dimension of Islam. You'll also find subscription links to services such as iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, links to our personal blogs and social media profiles, and a form for you, the listeners, to send us feedback and or suggestions for future episodes. And with that May the divine mercy and blessings of Allah be upon you all. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.